I found uh, tonight's first reading from the book of Isaiah to be just really captivating. Uh, in in uh, the gospel we just, we just heard, uh, it says that the, the great catch that they made, uh, it seized them. In other words, right there, they're just like overwhelmed by this miraculous catch. And, and so it's, it's seizing them, right? It's, it's gripping them. It's consuming them uh, to the point that it's, it's all they can really think about to try to wrap their minds around what just took place. And I found that uh, this first reading, um, it, it really has done that for me uh, this weekend. Just spending time praying with it and, and trying to imagine, right? Because what happens, right? So in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne with the train of his garment filling the temple, right? So what's going on? Isaiah is being given a peek into heaven, right? It's, it's like, we, we talk about heaven all the time, right? We, we love to talk about like when, uh, when, when someone dies, you know, we talk about they're in heaven now and we tend to say that they're doing whatever they liked to do while they're on earth, right? So if someone dies who liked to fish, uh, you know, we say, well, now they're fishing with God in heaven, you know? Or if I eat a really good steak or something, you know, I say like, ah, this is, this is probably what they eat in heaven. You know, like we, we say things like that and we, we love to associate heaven with the things that we like to do on earth. But, but in reality, right, if, if we're honest, we don't actually know, right? We don't, we don't know what goes on in heaven except for what we can know from the scriptures. And in fact, we find out from the scriptures that there's probably not any fishing taking place in heaven, right? Sorry if that disappoints you. Uh, we find out that, that in, in heaven is, is this grand act of worshiping the Lord who is seated on his throne, right? And so like just to, to consider, to consider the great privilege that Isaiah is given, right? It's like, it's like there's a veil, right? We're, we're, we live in this world where we know there are, are things around us that are invisible. We know that there's this spiritual reality that, that this life isn't all there is, but in fact that once we die, there is another life that is eternal, that it lasts forever. And we can't see it, right? But by faith, we believe that it's there. And, and so, like, right, there's, there's this kind of veil that's, that's covering this greater reality. And now Isaiah is given this incredible gift to have the veil kind of peeled back for a moment so that he can look and see. And so I, th I think for us to, to take what he's got written down here and to try to imagine it, right? Like for us as, as Catholic Christians, I think uh, in our modern day, we've really maybe lost something of, of the gift that we have in our imaginations, right? Not, not making up these make-believe realities like you would make up a make-believe friend, but, but to take something that's given an image, image to and trying to put that in my mind. To imagine, like, what must that have looked like for Isaiah to just be given a glimpse into this incredible deeper reality, right? So to imagine, right, he sees in the temple, right? So the, the temple for, for the Jewish people was everything. And it was a massive, 
building, like way bigger than this church, right? A massive building. And, and he goes into this massive building and he sees on a high and lofty throne, the Lord sitting on this throne. And it says what? It says the train of his garment was filling the temple, right? That the Lord is just majestic and, and grand and great and massive. And then what? Seraphim were stationed above. The word seraphim, it means burning ones, right? These, these are uh, angelic creatures on a certain level of the angelic creatures, and they're burning. They're, they're, uh, right? So it makes me think of Moses with the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, right? When Moses is tending the flock of his father-in-law and this bush, uh, begins speaking to him and it's on fire and yet it's not being consumed, right? And I, I'm just, I'm thinking of that and I'm thinking of these angels in this incredible scene that are just burning. And, and what are they doing? Well, I don't, I don't really know, but, but they're, they're, they're worshiping the Lord and they're just kind of adding something, some, some pageantry, some, some, some majesty to the moment because it's the Lord after all, right? Like, and he's worth it all. He's, he's so great and so incredible. And why not throw some burning angels in there just for some decoration, you know? Like, why not? Because it's the Lord and he's worth every extra little bit, you know? Like, ugh. It's gripping. It's seizing, right? And then came this line that hopefully, hopefully as you heard it, right, you, you recognized it, right? This, this incredible line. They cried one to the other. That is the seraphim. They cried one to the other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of that cry, the frame of the door shook and the house was filled with smoke. Right, this line, holy, ho hopefully you, you caught that, right? Like, because we say this every Mass, right? We come to Mass, and right before the Eucharistic prayer, we sing this, this song that they sing in heaven, right? Isaiah is revealing, the Lord is revealing to Isaiah, who is now revealing to us, that this is one of the songs that they sing in heaven as they worship the Lord on his throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. And you guys, like, now we sing this song, and we're, we're going to talk about why we sing this song, but I think just to, to sort of, this is why we sing this song, in fact, because it's the song that they sing in heaven. Right? Do you know that when you come to Mass, one of the things we do, at least, is sing the song that is sung in heaven in worship of the Lord seated on his throne. Right? This is this is just it's it's an incredible, an incredible image, and and I think the Lord, like He's for sure captured me with this image, and I think He wants to capture us all to to just sort of consume us with with this image, because ultimately, you guys, like, ultimately, this is the same it's the same sort of thing that Simon encountered when he when he sees Jesus, right? So now to shift gears, right, to imagine the the incredible, right, like somehow. Simon is able to see the veil pulled back on Jesus to see who he is, right? When this, when this miracle takes place, somehow, somehow the Lord in his grace provides for Simon through this miracle to see 
that Jesus isn't some ordinary man, but that in fact, it's the same heaven present in Jesus that's present in Isaiah. How do we know this? We know this because their response is the same thing. What does Isaiah do when, when he sees the majesty and the glory of the Lord? Right? He, he, it's, it's like he falls to his knees and he says, Woe is me. I'm, I'm not worthy to be here. I, I don't know if you know who I am. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm, I, I'm a, I'm, I come from a people with unclean lips. And I'm not worthy to be in this moment. And Peter does the same thing when he recognizes, right, when the veil is pulled back and he sees Jesus for who he is and he falls at the knees of Jesus and he says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Right, you guys, can you see this? That, that in Jesus is the same heaven that is found in the book of Isaiah that Isaiah gets a glimpse into. And for Peter, or for Simon Peter, the veil is pulled back in the same way that the veil is pulled back for Isaiah. Like, this is, this is what's, what's happening. This is who Jesus is. And now we can, we can fast forward, right, a few years to now Jesus at the Last Supper with his disciples. And he says, right, that heaven in Jesus says to his disciples, take this and eat, for this is my body. Take this and drink, for this is the chalice of my blood. And we believe this, you guys. As Catholic Christians, we believe that when Jesus speaks these words, that something actually happens to the bread and the wine, that, they, that now in the bread and the wine, right, they, they turn into heaven. Right? How do we know this? We know this because we sing the song that is sung in heaven when, when Jesus comes down to the earth, right? To this altar seated on his throne. We sing this song, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is filled with your glory. And then what do we do? We drop to our knees. Right? Heaven comes down. So that when you and I come forward to receive Holy Communion, we're coming forward to consume the same heaven that is found in Jesus, which is the same heaven that is found in the book of Isaiah. This is what we believe. That the bread and the wine are not actually bread and wine anymore, but that they're in fact the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Which is an, it's, it's such an incredible mystery, right? And, and in some ways, it's understandable if you don't believe it. But you, but you guys, if you don't believe it, don't receive communion. Because this is what we believe, and we don't want anybody to be saying amen to something that they don't believe in. If you don't believe in it, go home and, and reconcile it, wrestle with it, do your studying, right? Research, what is it that Catholics believe about Holy Communion? But, but until you can sort of reconcile that and say, amen, yes, I believe this, it's okay to come to Mass and not receive communion. But for those who are able to receive, those who by faith are able to profess and say, yes, I believe this, I believe that what happens on this altar is that heaven comes down in this most incredible mystery.
then as you come forward to receive Holy Communion, to allow yourself to be captured and gripped and seized and consumed by the great gift that God gives to us. I think, I think something we just need to pray for is that we need to beg the Lord to lift the veil a little bit for us. We need to ask him to beg him and just say, Jesus, you, you lifted this veil for Simon. You lifted this veil for Isaiah. You lifted this veil for so many prophets in the Old Testament. You lifted this veil for so many saints, for, for Paul, right, who was persecuting the church. And then it's like Jesus comes and lifts the veil. And now Paul is, you know, suddenly like dramatically shifting his approach to life. Right? Like, Jesus, do the same thing for us. Lift the veil for us, Jesus, so that we can see like Isaiah saw. We can see like Simon saw. We can see what you want us to see, Jesus. Because the gift that you give is so incredible and so great. And we, we just want to thank you for it. And we want to give you praise and glory so that when you come down to us, we can give you a worthy throne and a worthy place to reside.